Welcome to Fort Wayne Ballet's Kinetic Conversations. On today's show, Fort Wayne Ballet Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown and guest choreographer Cynthia Pratt discuss the process of creating and pulling together Fort Wayne Ballet's seasoned opening production of Diversions on September 30th through October 2nd in the Arts Lab at the Hour Center for Arts and Culture. But to set the stage, we're still going through the pandemic, we're still working through challenging times, but people and organizations have decided to move ahead, including arts organizations with full seasons, Fort Wayne Ballet included. So Karen, just talk a little bit about, you know, our decisions to move forward and, and what's on tap for the season. Dancers have to dance. So we were very excited to get our company back in the room. Our academy began a few weeks ago. The company has just come back for their start of the season, and we have a very full season ahead, but I'd also like to mention it's our 65th year as an organization. So we have things that we've never done planned and some things that we've done that the community has come to know and love. We're doing some of those this year, but we've got a great season planned. And Cynthia, it's great to have you here. I know that you and Karen go back a long way, and we're <laughs> going to talk a little bit about the program, your piece, and various other things. But I, Karen, why don't you introduce Cynthia? And Cynthia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Go ahead, Karen. I would love to. I've been asking my friend Cynthia to come for a while, mm -hmm. work with the company, and the timing was right, everything aligned. And we actually had talked a bit about last year, but with the pandemic, we could not do that. But this year, we decided to move forward, as you said. So to give a little background, Cynthia and I actually used to share an office when we worked at a university together. And prior to that, Cynthia, why don't you tell us what you did? Well, I have a very eclectic dance background. First of all, I just want to thank you all for having me here. This is a really special time coming out of the pandemic and back in the studio and working with Fort Wayne Ballet. Yes, Karen and I go back a long way. Karen was actually a dancer in the first professional piece I ever did. I didn't know that. That's right. You were. Oh. And, uh, and before I had gone to Virginia Intermont to teach, I was living in New York. I had, was a ballet-trained dancer, but when I went to New York, I switched over into more contemporary dance, particularly jazz, and started choreographing pretty much in that idiom. And then after I had left VI, where Karen and I knew one another, I went back to New York for several years and then went on to Europe, where I taught and choreographed for several years, mostly in contemporary work. But after I had been in Europe for a while, I came back to the States and got a position at Butler University, which is a ballet program primarily. And I started using my ballet vocabulary again. And we have a very similar season to a professional company where we do two classics and contemporary those are our three main stage performances. So I got to get back into doing classical ballet again. And then I would say that my style now, choreographically, is fusing those two genres together. I think the piece that you have chosen to work with our company on staging is actually the perfect example of that. I think it's departure from fifth position. Yes. Which, if you're a ballet-trained person, you know that fifth position is sort of home base for all of the work that we do. Exactly. So how did you come up with this? What well, was the inspiration? Again, I love ballet. Ballet is my first vocabulary, and it really is home base for me. But I have had a big departure from that. And the vocabulary that I'm using in this piece it's very dancey. It's very danceable music. It's Prokofiev's uh, classical symphony. And it's really a celebratory piece of classical ballet that is moving away from 
you know, sometimes classical ballet can be a little bit positional. And where I have taken the, the positions of classical ballet and then really sort of broken them apart and stretched them out, and it is a home base. We're going back to fifth position all the time, but then what happens in between each fifth position is extended in a more, I would say, movement, a lot of movement, a lot of extended positions, but then returning to the classical home base. So in a ballet situation, we often talk about centralization of weight, being vertical uh-huh. and very centered. So in today's choreography, and even the way we now interpret classics, you often go off your balance to get back onto your balance. Right. Can you talk a little bit about how you feel that particular thing has fused, as you said earlier, those two forms together and where we might be headed? I think that that's exactly the nature of this piece is going from vertical to off vertical. And I think that that is where ballet is headed in general, that it's getting away from something that is more staid and traditional and getting into something that, you know, modern has influenced it a great deal. So we get off of the vertical, we shift the weight a lot more. There's a lot more quick movement, which of course came from Balanchine, the, the really quick, brilliant technique. All of that has played into where ballet is going now. Well, I'm a bunhead from way back, yeah. as we both know, <laughs> and I see it even in the classical works. It gives it more dimension. Absolutely. And I think the costumes sometimes don't always accent the dimension that we're creating in the movement. So I'm curious to see where we're moving forward from there. How is it, you've been working with your dancers for quite a while, and you also do some work with Dance Kaleidoscope mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So how is it coming back to a ballet company? Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And what I really am appreciating about the dancers here is, first of all, they're very open and they're very quick and focused. They're picking up quickly. And I did have concerns about them not having as much torso movement as maybe uh, dancers that had more modern background, but they are, they're doing beautifully. They're doing beautifully with, they have a lot of articulation of their spine. And they're, again, very open to information and processing it very well, yeah. That's the important part, to be open. Yeah. So opening our season, we're thrilled to have you back. It's really exciting. Thank you. Yes. Well, you were here for a skinny minute years ago and worked with our academy students. That's right. But this is the first time that you've been here to work with a professional company. So Yes. Yeah, they're really wonderful. They're wonderful dancers. It's, It's very special to have a company of this caliber in Fort Wayne, I think that it's, uh, you know, there's not too much ballet in Indiana in general. And uh, this is a really great company for the size of the town, which I think is also up and coming. I think that there's a lot of arts that are burgeoning in Fort Wayne. And the ballet company is a really great representation of that. Well, thank you. As you know, many of our dancers are We train some, some of them go off, some of them go to school to be lawyers or whatever they're going to be, and we do have a few that actually stay with us, but our company is comprised of dancers from all over the country and the world. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think this, this season we have five dancers from international locations yeah. Out of our 20 we do. contracted dancers. So that's exciting. I know it is. We're actually, you know, their company's 20 professional dancers and then the court of ballet. But as you said, we were at a place where we're about 25 to 30% of our dancers pretty consistently are coming from outside of the country. And 
as you know, most people are unaware, the vast majority don't come from Indiana. They come from all over the United States. So it's nice to be able to surprise people with that here. And you know, it's nice for you to say what you did, Cynthia. I think we're working very hard to try to make sure that the company is growing and, and doing really interesting things. Having said that, this particular program lends itself well. You mentioned a season. We have a season that is sort of bookended to a degree with a traditional, what you expect in ballet with Giselle and Sleeping Beauty and the Nutcracker. But we also have this series, which is designed to sort of do what Cynthia talked about. It's to sort of stretch a little bit. doesn't mean there won't be some classical things in there, but it's different. Talk about what this series does. Well, I was thinking a little bit about this earlier. I think this is what most people would consider continuing education. It's what keeps you on top of your game. It's what stretches your mind. For us, it stretches our bodies as well, the physicality of it. But I think if you don't do that, you don't stay on top of your game and you don't create and you don't grow artistically. So for our dancers, this is pretty critical for their continued growth. Not that those classics aren't fabulous and wonderful and you can have a whole career doing those, but in most parts of the world, there is not a single ballet company that only does the classics. They're doing all of these other things for exactly those reasons. It keeps the dancers alert, enthusiastic, keeps them growing and stretching. And then they can become creative in their own right as they retire. Well, and it's also different for the audience. It's a very different experience. Well, that was the next part. You know, we hope that everybody enjoys the classics. And part of what makes these dancers so strong is doing those classics. You generally don't have one or the other. You have them both, and they both complement each other. As long as you're aware they're complementing each other, I think it does very well. And it helps the dancer have a very broad career through their time. But I think for the audience, it allows them to see something different. We often joke the repertory performances are similar to the Indiana weather. If you don't like it, it's going to change in 15 minutes. So <laughs> sit tight. It will change again as mm -hmm. opposed to a whole story ballet. So while each of these pieces may or may not have a story, they all are very quick and each have something to offer that's very engaging and very different from the next one that you'll see. So... Cynthia alluded to how ballet is evolving and how you see the foundation and how it's growing and changing. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. We're all going through something that is very life-changing in this pandemic, all of us, regardless of what we do. The kind of thing that changes the world in some ways temporarily, in some ways never changes back. And I'm kind of curious as we think about the performing arts specifically, the ones that require people. When you go to a concert or you go to a performance for the ballet or you go to the theater, I know we're modifying, but how is the pandemic, in your opinions, accelerating change and where do you see potentially this being the kind of change that doesn't merge back to where it was? Is that happening? Is, is that something that's being factored in or is it something we'll just have to wait and see? Well, I think that we're certainly a lot more cautious in the studio about proximity and about making sure everyone is safe as far as being tested for COVID and being vaccinated. On the other hand, there is, I think that in all throughout history, in all times of adversity where the arts seemingly have resistance, that's where they flourish the most. I feel that the arts, and I can only speak to dance because that's my medium, I think that all dancers, all choreographers, all performing artists are so hungry to be back on stage and as an audience member, I'm hungry to see it again. I think that that's a very important part of our civilization, are the arts. They're what keep us human. They inspire us. They make us feel love and hope. And I think that what is going to come out of the pandemic 
is a huge spurt of creativity and how we can manage to keep going within that framework. I know that this piece that I'm setting, one of the reasons why I chose this particular piece to set in this time was because it is very celebratory. It is a celebration of coming back into the studio, coming back onto the stage, and sort of the phoenix rising again from the ashes. I don't think I could add to that. (laughs) Although... Excellent. I totally agree with that. But I do think when you asked, have we really determined how this is affected, how we present, for instance, I don't think we've really sorted through that. (sighs) Cynthia said we really love to, the dancers love to be on the stage and we are anxious to see it again. And there is really not a whole lot better than walking onto the stage and feeling the orchestra Uh playing the music. You can feel it in your body and the inspiration that brings. Consequently, you give that to your audience, who in turn thanks you for that and you thank them for being there. Nothing replaces that. However, there's so much filming these days and online. I don't know how much of that will take because it really cannot replace the in-person part of this in a way that it's hard to explain. No, it doesn't replace it. Now, I did see a lot of companies online that I would have never gotten the opportunity to see right? because they were a long way away. Right. And I also know that people from all over the world watched our performances that were online. Right. But there is something about being physically in a theater, being part of the dancing, being connected with those dancers physically that you just can't get that from a film. Right. We've become such a screen society. Mm-hmm. We work in front of the computer. We have the cell phones. We go to the movies. We watch television. And it's so readily available that it takes a little more extra effort to go to the theater, yet it's worth it. The mm-hmm. experience. It's all about the experience. Absolutely. Well, and, and I wonder, too, when you talk about presentation, even pre-pandemic, watching the way performances were put together related to the length, the way you were dealing with the audience. I look at orchestras, for example, that used to have two and a half hours with a standard format, moving to an hour and a half or maybe an hour program. There's a part of me that wonders, okay, I know that people's attention spans, but I'm also wondering if, as you said, there's so much ability to get whatever you want for free. That wasn't the case 50 years ago. You don't have to go to a concert or performance to get the content, but you do to get the experience. And you probably have to curate differently to make sure that period of time is well worth it in a way that that experience, you leave going, I want to come back, which means I can't put another 30 minutes to something and that really makes them lose that sense of this was wonderful. And I don't know that's necessarily bad. But I think you lose dimension. When it's on the screen, you lose the dimension and the depth of color and movement quality and shape. I don't think the screen replaces, my argument was more about the in-performance situation being tighter. I wouldn't say more casual, but I actually think it's more intimate in some ways rather than more casual. There was a big push back in the late 90s of come in t-shirts and you don't have to dress up and it was comfortable. But I think while that may still be the case, it's more of come and be part of something that you enjoy. And we really want you here. And I, I've seen that in some of our performances, especially this the diversions type mm-hmm. of or the black box series, the repertory series. And I've seen it with some other theater and performing arts groups that are thinking differently about the experience when you go in. It's 
it's special, but how do I make sure that it's really valuable? Well, it's more intimate as well. There's no divide between the dancers and the audience in a smaller, like our diversions. There's no grand drape. There's no proscenium arch. So the audiences become a part of the stage in their own way if they don't have to get on stage and dance, but they can feel like they're a part of it. It's very, they're up close and personal. Generally, dancers don't like that. They like to be seen from a bit of a distance because their line that they work so hard on shows better from a distance. But the audiences really like that up close and personal. You know, I think that there is something else there, too, with being in the theater that, you know, it's a transformational experience when you are in the theater and you are experiencing a performance. It's not just where you're looking objectively at the beauty of the dance or the beauty of the facilities or the technique. You are there and you are feeling an expressivity. And I think, Jim, what you were saying about getting dressed up, it used to be you get dressed up and you go to the theater and there's an event. You know, there's a a kinesthetic response that people get from watching dance on stage where they can feel themselves responding to the movement and to the music. And at those times, you know, you get dressed up. It's almost like you're putting on your own costume to go to the theater. You're going in and it culminates in this big event. And even though we don't do that anymore, and nobody likes to go casual more than I do (laughs) to the theater, um, (laughs) it's still going in there and having this time where the rest of the world is away from you. You can't put it on pause. You're going to have this whole start to finish experience. You're different when you come out of that performance than when you went in. And you don't realize how that might have transformed you, but it does, and it informs the rest of your life. You fed your soul. You fed your soul. Well, on that note, I don't think we can do much more in terms of promoting (laughs) what we're doing. I really appreciate both of you uh, talking with us today a little bit. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Diversions opens September 30th through October 2nd at the Arts Lab at the Hour Center for Arts and Culture. You can purchase tickets by visiting the Fort Wayne Ballet website, artsticks.org, or calling the box office at 422-4226. Kinetic Conversations is brought to you by Fort Wayne Ballet and Wayne Shout Productions. Our guests were Fort Wayne Ballet Artistic Director Karen Gibbons-Brown and guest choreographer Cynthia Pratt. Our producers are John Dawkins and Jim Sparrow. We'd also like to thank John for his original music, which starts and ends the show. If you'd like to receive notifications on future podcasts, please like the podcast and go to fortwayneballet.org to sign up for notifications on performances, podcasts, and more ballet news. You'll also find a library of past episodes on our website in the menu of options. Until next time, I'm Jim Sparrow, and thanks for listening to Kinetic Conversations with Fort Wayne Ballet. has been a Wayne Shout production. Wayne Shout!